Well, good morning, church. We are in 1 Peter chapter 3. And just to let you know, we are behind because I ended up picking this up um, when Jay Lee was ill. And anyway, but I still say it's all my fault. We'll get it together. All right, we're in chapter 3. Let's, uh, let's go to God in prayer, please. Oh, Lord, thank you for this moment and for this hour, for this opportunity to read your word and for your word to be given to us in plain view where we could we can pick it up and we can read it. We ask, Lord God, that you will bless us to understand it, that you will grant to us your wisdom and your knowledge, and that you will help us to grow. And we thank you, Lord God, for this blessed opportunity and occasion in Jesus' holy and Precious name we pray and thank thee to be thy will. Amen. Okay, so um, we got through the trouble in verses 1 through 7. And now we're getting down in verse 8 to the sum of all things, right? Just sum it all up. And so he says, okay, here's what we're going to do. Verse 8, to sum up, sum it all up, let all, everything be what it should be in a home. Right, harmonious and sympathetic. And he goes on to talk more about that, as well as in the church. That all be harmonious and sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. It's okay, nice, common, Christ-like mind, right? That's what God wants us to be. That's what our homes should look like today. And then he goes on and takes it to another step. In verse 9, he says, you know, don't return evil for evil. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead for you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Now, verse 8 and 9 is very interesting because it leaves off with um, the husband-wife relationship, married, single, I mean, uh, married, one married, married, uh, one's a member, one's not, right? The husband maybe isn't a Christian, the wife maybe is, or maybe they both are. Uh, but anyway, there's a little bit of trouble. Now we fixed it, and now he says, this is what a home should look like in Christ. This is what a, a church should look like. This is what people should see when they walk through the doors of, of this building, what they should see when they walk into our own homes. But how is that even possible when, when I'm, I'm being persecuted, right? Or I'm having trouble, or I'm struggling with, again, the uh, Roman emperors and and, and, you know, people are always trying to uh, persecute the children of God. And he, and he gives us our reason. He gives us our purpose, right? Every day, I need that purpose, God. Give me a purpose, right? And so you've heard uh, many people talk about, you know, live a purpose-driven life. And well, what is the purpose? What is your purpose? What is your motive? What would be the motive for, uh, for being uh, in harmony and finding sympathy and and all this, when is someone going to think about me? Right? I'm struggling in my home. My husband is disobedient, or or our lives are just in disarray. What are we supposed to do when persecution comes? We're the scattered aliens. How are we going to get through this? And he says, "Remember this. Here's our purpose." He says in in uh, in verse nine, the very end, the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. He reminds us to go back to chapter 1. And I want us to do that. Back to chapter 1. And I want to read verse 3. Um, 
through verse 9 to remind us of our purpose. And it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found the result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you might, excuse me, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of love, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. That's why. That's how. Because regardless of what you're going through, there's something coming back to you continuously. The blessings of God, heaven, the reservation of heaven for us. Everything's about that which will never fade away and can never be taken away from you. Regardless of, of what is going on in your life, God's blessings and God's care and God's uh, prophecy, if you will, regarding heaven and regarding his children can never be taken away from us. Satan can't take it. Mankind cannot take it. A disrupted family cannot take it. A disrupted life cannot take it. Trouble cannot take it. Nothing can take it away. And so you have something to look forward to. And so through our lives of trouble and struggle and difficulty, we're reminded to be harmonious. Because we have a common Christ-like mind because of the gift of God. We can do this. It's a choice. And all you have to do is remind yourself or allow God to remind us through Peter continually of our great and tremendous blessings that God has awaiting for us. So you don't have to give up, right? You never have to give up. As, as you can imagine back in their day, how difficult it had to be just to walk to work as a Christian. You know, you're walking, you see some Roman guards coming, and you don't know this could be it. And this is a very real uh, thought process that they had to go through every single day. And again, going back to this wife trying to convert her husband without, you know, bringing the entire congregation into jeopardy or bringing her own personal life into jeopardy and then the husband. All the struggles that were going on in this day, remember how he opens up the book. You're aliens and strangers in this world. So being aliens and strangers, how are we going to be able to find this peace? And he says, don't ever forget that you're the blessed ones who receive the blessing from God. And then we go back to chapter 3 and pick up in verse 10. And he says, For let him who means to love life and see good deeds refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile. And let him turn away from evil and do good. And let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those 
who do evil. And so, back to this refrain over and over again. We win. We win. We win. God hears us. God knows us. He knows what we're going through. He knows our struggles. Is there a problem too small for God? What do you think? No, right? And, and we have to be in the habit of taking everything to the Lord, right? Just take it to God. Take the good to God. Take the bad, you know, to God. Take it all to God and know that God has this amazing blessing again in store for us. But those who, who mean to love life and see good days, we've got to be like God. So we look to our, our, our example, Jesus, right? What did he do? I mean, every day, what were they trying to do to him as far as the Pharisees? What were they trying to do to Jesus continually when he began his ministry? Yeah, they were trying to put him to death, right? <laughs> I mean, they tried to push him off a cliff. They were looking for a reason and an opportunity. And every question they asked Jesus had the purpose of we catch him in a lie, we catch him making a mistake, and we'll put him to death. Right? What a life to live. You see, we, we can look back and say, thank you, God. Does that mean we're not being persecuted today? Absolutely not, right? It doesn't mean we don't have troubles. It doesn't mean that we're not struggling. Uh, we have health problems and concerns as they did. We have physical issues. We have lots of issues of our own. They're not the same. But the end result is still the same. Whether we die a natural death or we die through persecution, you still have to die with the Lord, right? And so here we are walking this, this walk of faith and we're practicing and living for Christ. And then comes the challenge, the next challenge in verse 13. And who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good. We could probably list a couple of folks, couldn't we? Right? We start, you know, you think about in this day, you probably could, they probably could name a few, well, my neighbor across the street, you know, we probably could name a few. But even verse 14, if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, Remember the Sermon on the Mount. Well, that's not what he says, but he says, you are blessed. But that's what he's referring to, right? Back to chapter 1, back to the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed, 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 blessed are God's people, right? In every way and through everything, God has not wound the world up and let it go and then said to us, okay, Go do your best. That's not what God has done. God is, God is with us. God is with us. And we know the answer because we've been asked many times, what, what happens in life when you feel like um, you're not as close to God as you used to be? We know who moved. It wasn't God, right? And so we can inventory our own lives continually Every day. So, so verse 14, and then we're going to get to verse 15, and then I have a, a question to ask. But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed, and do not fear their intimidation, and do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. So think about this for a moment. It's not just 
the everyday issue of persecution. It's also the everyday issue of intimidation, right? They, they bullied people. You know, you had this, you know, this mark on your back as a, as a child of God. And, and sometimes in our world today, we, we still have a mark on our backs, don't we? I mean, think about all the attacks that are coming against Christianity. I mean, what are we seen as today um, as God's people? When we try to make a stand, um, you know, we have, an, we have an idea of what we know what God wants us to do, but what are we supposed to do with all the movements that are going on that are completely against God's law and God's word? What are we supposed to do? How do we, how do we live in our, in our world today with this, this intimidation factor and um, the, the world bullying us and we are the ones being persecuted for trying to stand for what's right and for trying to do the right thing. And, and they're flagrant, right? The LGBTQRS and et cetera movement, you know, they're flagrant about it, aren't they? I mean, they're in our faces, right? And they're trying to force it down our throats. And, and they're saying, we're going to teach your children. We're going to train your children. We're going to convert your children. And then we say, no, no, wait, 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 wait. But it's not just that. It's all the movements that are going on that are against godliness and against the will of God, and we're trusting in God, is God really in control? And how are we supposed to respond to this kind of persecution? What should we do as God's people? What do you think? Hold on to faith. Sure, we hold on to our faith. We know that God is, God knows. God is in control. Hold on to our faith. God knows God is in control. But what about when it's on my job? (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he knows it all. He knows everything. Our faith has to be strong. And we need to remain consistent in prayer. I get all that. But that doesn't take away the hurt. I mean, it should. I get that. But we can say that. But if we're not doing that, I mean, it's easy to say that. Right? I mean, we can say that every morning. Okay, I'm going to be strong. I'm going to go by faith. I'm going to live by faith. God's with me. I know He's with me. I know He's with me. I'm going to walk to work. Everything's going to be all right. And then I open the door of my home and I go in to the street and I'm walking. But that doesn't take away the way I... It doesn't change the way I feel right now to this persecution, right? right? Okay, let me repeat that. Well, it should. If we're children of the Most High God, um, nothing else matters. Okay, sister. Let me get this microphone. Let's use this microphone. So I don't. Thank you, James. He was also in a time where the children of Israel had all these rules on them because of the um, the government, mm. and um, and I'm always reminded that Jesus says this world is not my kingdom. And so it makes me feel like I'm in an other world uh, mm-hmm. system. I'm an alien, right? 
And so even at my job, I always try to, um, you know, I, I, I try to be loving. Um, I try to be respectful, my integrity. Even when someone says something against Christians, I always say that, you know, I believe this by faith, and I try to invite people into it. But what I don't feel the obligation to do is, you know, march and hold signs and all that stuff because Mm -hmm. the Bible says this 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 world is not my kingdom, so this world is going to self-destruct. We shouldn't be surprised that the world is doing all these evil things apart from Jesus, we would all be doing these evil things. And so I want to create opportunities for those people to be invited into God's kingdom. And so at work, when people challenge me about what I believe, um, I say that I do this by faith and I try to, and the way that I treat them. So, you know, the Bible says agree quickly with the adversary. So I'm not going to get into any arguments with anybody. Mm -hmm. I'll say, okay, I understand that's how you believe. And I'm done with that conversation because I don't think it's going to show godliness for me to get into some kind of rant with someone about what I believe. And so I think that's really the key is for us to demonstrate the love of Christ. I mean, Christ, when they were trying to challenge him, um, you know, they said things about him. He basically said, that's what you say. That's what you think. You know, he didn't really get into arguments with people. Mm-hmm. He said, render unto Caesar what Caesar. So in my mind, that's just the world system. And I feel like I exist outside of that in, in how I believe. And so I'm just busy trying to treat people lovingly and kindly and um, invite them into, um, into my life so that I can have an opportunity to expose them to the truth. Mm-hmm. Amen. Opportunity. Open doors, right? Okay. What was Noah's battle like? God's going to send some rain. We have to turn our lives around. We have to change. Yeah, but you're the man who, you're following this God who's telling you to build a boat in the middle of a desert. Or maybe it wasn't, whatever it was, right? You're not even near water. How are you going to get this thing to the water? And then Noah says, I don't have to. God's going to bring the water to us. And for what? I think the text, a hundred and what, 20 years? He preached the same message over and over again. And remember what the world was like. How bad was it? Worse than our world. How do we know that? Well, God destroyed it. That, that's how we know it. So, shouldn't Noah had gotten off of the beaten path for a moment and said, you know, let's put this on pause. I need to deal with all this, all the hagglers, if you will, all the naysayers and all the people who are against God. Or does he, or does he stay focused on the, the desire and the will of God? Yeah. Well, we know what he did do, but how did he do that? Right, and so we're gonna—he's gonna come to Noah later in uh, in in Second Peter. Our responsibilities certainly is true is to be a guiding light, a shining light, the reflection of Jesus, and that's where verse fifteen comes in, where it says, "Sanctify Christ as Lord." So set yourself apart and set Christ apart as Lord. The people in the world with all the movements, they don't. Is misdirected, number one. Because it's not us. It's not our laws. It's God's law. They're angry at God for their own reasons. Um, our job is to help them to learn that's not, that's not who God is. In other words, you're angry at the wrong source, if you will. There's no reason to be angry at God, right? 
and not take it personal, right? When they are trying to attack Christianity, our faith, or attack God, don't take it personal. God knows, right? But instead, verse 15, I want to talk about this quickly. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. This is what you're talking about right now, right? With gentleness and reverence. But here's the, here's the problem. Okay, are you a Christian? Back in the Roman days, remember, we've got to stay in Rome. In the Roman days, are you a Christian? Yes. Yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I'm a Christian. What do you know might happen in just a moment? You might be, yeah, you might, you might be executed on the spot. And God says, you give a defense. You tell them, yes, I am a child of God. And, and here, here are the reasons why. Whatever, answering their questions. What about today? Is it more difficult today to give a defense when someone says, oh yeah, you're, you're a child of God. You're not tolerant and, you know, you guys think you're the best ones and the holy ones and the righteous ones and the, I mean, how do you feel when that attack comes upon you, and yet, how does that work in your life in light of First Peter chapter three and verse fifteen? Be ready to give an account for who you are as a child of God. How do you feel about that? You should look on um, Ephesians six twelve. Okay. Okay. Put on your all ar- your armor, mm-hmm. your sword, your breastplate, your boots, your belt, your helmet. Ephesians 5 1 is, is that we're supposed to be imitators of God. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you're meditating on the Word every single day, it's in you. So when you come up against attacks, it doesn't bother you because you can just flick it off. You okay. follow what I'm saying? Oh, I follow you 100%. Ephesians 6 12, um, you know, the whole weaponry, if you will, battles against flesh and blood and. Ephesians 5, 1. There's no question about that. That's what the Bible says. But if we don't have it, if we don't have, if we're not ready for it. You know, sometimes it comes from within. My own family member. Remember, the context is, this could come from your husband. This could come from your wife, right? This could come from people within your own home. What do you do with that? You know, what do we do with that? So the reality is, is that it does bother us because we're human. But But how do we deal with it? How do we find that ability to be able to stay the course through persecution, to stand up under the trial. How do we find the ability not to say it, but to do it? Right? That's because it's easy to say it. Right? We say it all the time. But to, to do it. Right? Um, so let's think about this for just a moment. Just a uh, football team. Football team, you know, if you play football, you know, football hurts. <laughs> the sport, I mean, physically, it's a physical sport, right? I mean, and you go out there and you, you know, you hurt your, your, just, just your fingers from falling on the ground and your knees and you have padding, but I mean, it hurts. You've been, you know, you're, you're on an end around or some kind of play and, you know, you get hit really hard just the right way and it hurts. And then what do they do after every single play? They huddle up. And what you and I don't hear, at least I know when I play football, when, I, when we talked about, not, it wasn't just the play, it was, okay, guys, come on, we can do this, come on. And you're going, uh, yeah, but my shoulder, really, it's okay, we're going to make it 
Let's get through this. And we motivate each other. You, right? You've been there, right? We motivate each other. And, and what, we don't need to be in a huddle. Yes, we do, because we need to motivate each other. Get back out there. You know, I know you almost drowned. You played in Washington State, all the rain and your faces in the mud. And just, we can do this, right? Why do you have a huddle? What do you think happens in the huddle? What do you think happens when, when the, the, the boxer or the MMA fighter or whatever goes back to his corner for just a minute? They don't just put water on you. The coach says, I know, but get back out there. You can do it. What about when you go to work, right, and you have meetings? I, yeah, right now we're, I know we need to correct some of our direction. And, you know, we have meetings and, and we have, you know, huddles and we have times of of encouragement with each other to influence one another. Okay. What do you what do you think this is here? What do you think we should be doing here every time we come together? Well, what do you think they did in the first century? They came together every day. What did they talk about? What were they doing? You know. And some of it was unbelievable. Like when Rhoda came to the door at the gate because Peter was there and they're like, ah, oh, Peter's not out there. We've been praying for Peter, and he's out there, but the reality that he's really there didn't really, it was unbelievable. So what should we be doing besides just common, how are you, how was your day? What about the weather? Shouldn't we have more depth to talk about to each other in the foyer, in the auditorium area, as we're leaving the building? Shouldn't we have more depth? Because I don't know what you've gone through this week, yesterday, or even this morning. The news that you may have heard first time the phone rang. Or yesterday when someone called you. Like yesterday I got a call from out of, out of the area. How do you deal with that kind of stuff? Right? And so it's every day. It's every day we're bombarded by, with some kind of news and it, and it either affects us in one way or affects us in another way, but either way it affects us. How do, you, how do you sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart? And what do we do about our meetings to help each other every day to fight the fight of faith? And so I'm asking a rhetorical question because I've already given the answer. We're supposed to encourage each other, right? And lift each other up and remind each other of the blessing and the blessed gift. And we'll get through it with God's help, and that might mean we're going to die. But as God's people, that means victory, doesn't it? See, we're going to get through this. We're going to win. We're going to, we're going to make it. So if harmony is the command regarding a family in, in difficult times, harmony must also be the command in regards to a church family who every day has to fight against persecution in one way or another. Right? Let all be harmonious and full of love. And if we don't feel the harmony and the love and the, the perfection and the, the blessing and the beauty, if we don't feel that here, what are the odds of us feeling it in a God-like way from our, our neighbors who don't know God? Obviously not, right? It's not going to happen. So church, the encouragement this morning is to take the opportunity that's in front of us as we're together to lift each other up, to build each other up, and 
to help each other to sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart, right? Because it does hurt. It doesn't mean we're going to give in or not fight, but it does hurt. But God loves us, and we win. And it's good to be reminded of the fact that even when I feel like I'm losing, or I feel like I've lost the battle, that my brothers are there to say, no, 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 that was just, that was just a moment, it's okay. Maybe you did lose the battle. Maybe you got really upset and irritated and just, maybe this happened or that happened. But church, we don't lose the war, right? So he says, sanctify Christ as Lord, and, and in verse 16, and keep a good conscience. And that's, that's what's important. How do we do that? How do we keep a good conscience? What do we do every day? Yeah, we pray, right? And during that prayer, we ask for what? Yeah, we ask for forgiveness, right? Confess our sins, we, and then we go out and get, get back to work. You know, put your overalls back on and get back out there and go back to work. We may do that throughout the day, right? Dear God, please forgive me. Give me the strength, Lord God, to go over and say I was wrong and I'm, I'm sorry. And so, keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Put to shame by whom? Because they won that one. They, they made me look horrible. Right? I mean, they kept, they were yelling at me and they were, there was this whole group of people and, and, and they were just, who, who, who is it in verse 16 that through my good behavior, who put them to shame? It wasn't me. And it wasn't the group around me. So it had to be whom? The only one that matters. <laughs> it's God, right? And he says, well done, servant. You did good. What? How did I? Elijah with Jezebel. No, I, no, no. She wants to keep. Elijah, just a couple days ago, like 400 prophets of Baal. Remember that? Yeah. Remember you prayed and I sent fire down. And, but Jezebel, but Elijah, remember Right? We can be so easily distracted because it doesn't feel good. Right? You all ran a chariot. Remember that? Well, yeah, but God, Jezebel wants to, she wants to kill me. And so that's why I'm running for my life. Because you're even your people, your people, God. And at some point it's got to become you and God. Right? Sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. Doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. Right? That's the, that's the beginning step to sanctify Christ as Lord. Set apart as an alien, like you said. Put on your armor, sure. Put on your armor. Prepare yourself. Get ready. Know we're going out for the battle. Know I'm ready to give an answer to anyone to ask me. I'm ready to do the work of God. But now I have to get out of the bed. <laughs> it's easy to get ready in bed. But now I have to go and face those same people who yesterday... Made me feel horrible. I didn't want to go to work. Think about that. Okay. For it is better. It's an interesting verse. For it is is better if if God wills. To will it so that you suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. And and the word suffer is important because it's talking about the way you feel. Are you going to suffer? 
whether it be physically or emotionally, you're going to suffer, but do it for the right reason. And that's in chapter 4. That's why he's going to go over that again in chapter 4. If anyone suffers, suffers a Christian, not as a, a trouble, some meddler, an evil person. Suffer as a Christian. And then he goes on in verse 18, For Christ also died for sins once for all. I love how he keeps coming back to whom? Christ, 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 sanctified, Christ, Christ, Christ. Just, you have to keep going back to the Christ who rose, right? To the Christ who lives. For Christ, it says, that he suffered for the just, the just for the unjust, in order that he might bring us to God, having been put to death, in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. And then he gets into the Spirit world. We're talking about sanctification now, right? It's a word we don't use often, we should. He, he's, sanctification, sanctify Christ in your heart as Lord, right? Sanctify Him. Now he goes into the Spirit, into the Spirit world, if you will. And, and again, in verse, um, in verse 18, For Christ also died for sins once for all, but just for the unjust, in order that He might bring us to God, having been put to death, in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. So now I'm starting to remember some of the things that Christ taught. Um, if you believe in me, you will not, what? Die. But even if you die, you'll live. Oh, okay, he's talking about the Spirit. Spirit in the flesh. Spirit in the flesh. Spirit in the flesh. Spirit in the flesh. And then he, he gets us into this, this sanctified mode of thinking for just a moment. So I want you to think about the power of God. What does that mean? Well, look at verse four, the next verse, verse 19. In which he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison. Past tense, he went. And so, so sometimes it's the idea, the thought in, in this verse that um, he preached to the people who had died. After they died and had gone to hell and are, are suffering. Verse 20 who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. It's almost like this, this thought that, that God went to the underworld during those three days and he preached to them the gospel message of Jesus. Well, what's the purpose in that? Right? What would be the purpose in that? Because a lot of people have taught, you know, and you, when you talk to folks in the Scripture, they go, well, because they're trying to get rid of baptism. And so they get, well, you know, he went down there and he gave them a second chance. Well, that, that contradicts all the Scriptures. There are no second chances. Once Luke 16 tells us in other passages in the Scripture that, you know, once you die, you're judged. And, and God pronounces judgment and there's no no second chance. Um, so then, how how did he preach to people who are already who are already dead physically? And the answer is, while they were alive, he preached to them. But how did he do it? Because Christ didn't come until what four B.C. or so, and he died around thirty three A.D. So how did he preach to people who were already dead and gone thousands of years past? How did he, how did he do that? 
And how would he be doing that today? Well, through, through the prophets, through the, through the preachers, through you, through the church, through Israel, those who are good and righteous. We're talking about the spirit of Christ, the spirit world. Now, now he introduced this, this thought or this concept to us. I want to look just quickly at a few passages. Second uh, Timothy, I mean Peter, excuse me, chapter 2, while we're in, in Peter, let's let, let Peter explain things to us in further detail. Um, Second Peter 2 and verse 5. He did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. Who, who is Noah in this text? He's a preacher of righteousness. So as a preacher, he had something to say, didn't he? So he was preaching while he was constructing the ark. And um, the Hebrew writer tells us that God spoke in sundry times. He spoke through the prophets, didn't he? He was talking about the spirit world. He spoke through them to declare a message that, that he's trying to present to a lost world. Now, go back to First Peter for just a moment. We have, we have Noah, who's a preacher of righteousness. Now, he introduced this spirit world to us right after the, the blessing, verses 3 through 9. We have this, this you know, thought. Don't forget the thought. What's the thought? Okay, you're blessed. And then verse 10, he says, As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful search and inquiry, seeking to know what person or time the spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. So here he's telling you that Jesus, right, the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, the Godhead, was in the prophets while they prophesied, right? And so that's why we have this message. And so when he's talking about, in chapter 3, verse 19, that Jesus preached to them, he preached to them through the prophets or the preacher or the teacher at that hour and in that day to ensure that no one gets sidetracked from the point that he's trying to make. So then, understanding that the message was declared to them, we understand two things. We understand one, in a wicked, wicked world. So remember, going back to Genesis now, in a very wicked and evil, just terrible world. And I can use those types of terms or thoughts or because God destroyed the world. That's how bad it was. It had to be. Could it have been worse than it is today? Well, yeah, because we're still alive. Right? We're all still going. So when you feel alone and you say, you know, I don't, I don't know why they don't get it. Why don't they get it? Why don't they get it? I don't, you know, why are they doing this? Why are they living this way? Maybe Peter's saying, hey, hey, guys, stop asking that question. Because if you remember, in the days of righteous Noah, when he was preaching the message to them about change, how many people listened and obeyed? Eight. That's pretty devastating. Eight. Now there's a lot of speculation as to how many people lived in the land at that time we, we don't know that answer and so you, any any thought you come up with is just as good as any other person's speculative idea or thought but regardless of how many people were on the earth there were enough people 
to where when we think about the fact that only eight people listened to God through Noah, that's tough. That's tough. How many people were in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost? We don't know the number. But it was a really large number. Only 3,000. And later, more were added, and the church is continuing to grow. But in our world today and in our city, how many people? And in your personal world, how many people? You see? And then Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate for wide and broad, but few, a few enter into the narrow. So instead of being discouraged, We can find pity. Right? And say, wow, they just don't see it. And remembering there was a time when I didn't see it. I'm so glad and thankful that those folks didn't give up on me. Right? And he goes on in verse verse 20 um, regarding Jesus preaching eight souls. And then he says, and corresponding to that, same message today. Baptism now saves you. It's not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience or a clear conscience, for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that's how the world gains a good conscience. And as Christians, we gain a good conscience or keep a good conscience through prayer in our relationship. And it's all about whom? What does he bring it right back to? Christ. Right? Verse 22. Who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers have been subjected to him. Right back to Christ. Who's in charge? Christ. Who's in control? Christ. Who's always been in charge? Christ. Who will always be in control? Christ. God. The Godhead. Understand when we say Christ, we're talking the Godhead, right? God is always in control. So, the end of this lesson this morning is, regardless of the way it looks around us, regardless of how it feels, regardless of when you put your armor on and when you're praying in faith and when you're, when you're act- acting and practicing love and when you're seeking out harmony and all those things, the end of it for us is we win. Right? Who are we going to bring with us? So that's our thought this week, right? Who are we going to bring with us? Maybe you know someone that you can go and talk to about Christ. Just one more time. Who are we going to bring with us? Right? We know it's God who saves. But the opportunity is here today. Tomorrow may not come. But thank God for today. What are we going to do with our day today? So, today, if we could remember that this is our opportunity in Christ to build each other up, right? To lift. This isn't the day of complaint. Today is a day of encouragement, right? Build each other up. Say, Brother James, go back out there and go get him, brother. He's doing great. Keep doing it. I mean that. He is. Keep doing that, brother. I can go around the room and say, keep up the good fight of faith. Keep going. Don't quit. Don't stop. Don't give up. You may lose the battle this week, 
but you won't lose the war. Keep going, keep going, keep going. I'm encouraged by seeing you this morning. And I hope that something was said this morning to encourage you. So thank you for your time this morning. God bless you, and uh, we're dismissed until our worship in just a moment.